Well, welcome everybody to the first ever postseason edition of the Giants Goal Line Podcast. I'm Ralph Bacchiano, the NFL insider for SNY and SNY.TV. And it's a little bonus coverage for you because the Giants are in the playoffs for the first time since 2011. And they're headed to a familiar and, by the way, freezing cold place up in Green Bay. They're going to play the Red Hot Packers winners of six in a row with arguably the best, especially the best current quarterback in the NFL. Nobody's playing better over the last two months than Aaron Rodgers. The Giants, uh, of course, have been here before. Everybody remembers 2007, the Ice Bowl, when they won that very memorable uh, NFC Championship game against the Packers in overtime uh, with the Corey Webster interception, with the uh, game-winning kick by Lawrence Tynes, who had missed a couple of game-winning kicks earlier. Everybody, of course, remembers the Minus 23 wind chills at kickoff and the minus one temperature. Thankfully, it won't be that cold this Sunday. It's only supposed to be temperatures at kickoff around six to nine degrees and uh, maybe a zero degree wind chill or so. So it's going to feel very balmy. Not quite as warm as it was in 2011 when the Giants also beat the Green Bay Packers in the playoffs. That was the divisional round. A brilliant performance by Eli Manning. Uh, I think they won 37-20 on their way to the NFC Championship game. Uh, just nobody's had more playoff success in Green Bay than the Giants. Now, winning in Green Bay in the playoffs is not what it used to be. Packers had never lost there before 2002, uh, but they have been very beatable in the playoffs ever since. We'll see if the Giants can get it done. We'll talk about the matchup, uh, obviously, and I'll give you my prediction on this game as to whether the Giants will continue and whether we'll have a, another playoff edition of the podcast next week. We'll break down the matchup with... Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press-Gazette, who covers the Packers there. He's the Packers columnist up there. We'll find out from him what's going on with Aaron Rodgers, why he got so hot pretty much as soon as he said that the Packers were going to run the table, something they obviously have done and will try to continue to do. And we will also have a very special guest, former Giants center Sean O'Hara, now an, an analyst with the NFL Network. He was, of course, one of the players in that famous Ice Bowl, I guess it would be the Ice Bowl 2 game up in Green Bay in uh, January of 2008. Um, just a brilliant performance in absolutely brutal conditions. We'll talk to him about that, about how he played through the cold and what he's seen from this Giants team. And uh, also we're going to get his thoughts on the Giants as road warriors because that 2007 team, as you know, uh, lost their opener on the road, never lost again on the road. This Giants team has struggled on the road which will be uh, one of the big problems they're going to face in Green Bay and one of the reasons why I'm a little skeptical of their chances to advance in the playoffs. So we'll we'll get into that with Sean, see what he thinks about that. But the big story this week is, is clearly going to be uh, how the Giants can perform in the cold against that Packers team in the offense, whether it can do what it do, did in the previous two games. Now, in 2007, in that cold weather, Eli Manning was fantastic just an an absolutely brilliant performance not brilliant numbers but considering the elements uh, after that game he threw for about 250 yards or so uh, but his touch was brilliant and, and Peyton Manning actually had called that one of the best performances by a quarterback he's ever seen 2011 Manning was absolutely brilliant uh, you know 330 yards uh, just 
on the money the entire game, outperformed the MVP at the time, the reigning MVP in Aaron Rodgers. This will be a bigger test for Manning because he has struggled this season, and obviously so has the Giants' offense. This Packers team, six wins in a row over the last seven games. Aaron Rodgers, 18 touchdowns and no interceptions. The Giants obviously lost to them once before this season in Green Bay, 23-16, but that was early October. Both teams are much different now, and it's hard to see, even as good as the Giants' defense is playing, it's hard to see the Giants winning this game if they can't get into the mid to high 20s in points, and it's going to be a tremendous test for their offense. They are not as talented offensively as they were in 2007, in 2011, but they and they've obviously struggled. That has shown in the numbers. Uh, they have to find a way to suddenly snap to attention on offense and start moving the ball and start scoring points. Because if they struggle the way they've struggled and they leave the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands and constantly give him back because of giving the ball back because of too many three and outs, Aaron Rodgers could have a big day. And I know the Giants' defense has been playing well, but. The Giants as a whole have struggled on the road, and Aaron Rodgers, the way he gets out of the pocket makes him so dangerous, especially with all the receivers that he has. He could really stretch the Giants' secondary thin and cause them problems that they haven't had uh, all season long. And honestly, if you uh, look at just the Philadelphia game a couple of weeks ago and the trouble the Giants had with Carson Wentz, well, that's because he was a scrambling quarterback who could throw on the run, and Aaron Rodgers is much, much better than him. We'll look more at that matchup in a little bit, but you know the Giants have done, as I've said, amazing things in Green Bay before, and one of the guys who was on the field when they did arguably their most amazing thing in 2007 was Sean O'Hara, the center of that very underrated 2007 team, a really a great team when you think about it, and you also think about what they did in 2008 right up until the moment that uh, Plaxico Burris was shot or shot himself and was taken out of their lineup. They were steamrolling, possibly, to -to back-to-back Super Bowls. But that 2017 was much, much better than anybody gave it credit for at the time. They had a tremendous offensive line, and when they went into Green Bay, they did something that everybody thought was impossible. So let's bring in Sean O'Hara now to talk about that. And, Sean, really glad you could join us today. Thank you so much for doing that. And my first question to you is going to be, have you thought out yet? from that 2007 game? No, I think my toes uh, might still have a little frostbite on them. Uh, <laughs> it definitely, you know, it, it took a long time to recover from that game. And still to this day, even when my hands start to get cold or my body starts to, to get cold and I'm outside, I think back to that day and I think that was the most pain I had ever been in, the most cold pain I had ever been in in my life. And I regret not wearing sleeves every day. <laughs> but you looked tough when you were out there without sleeves. Yeah, we looked tough. And, uh, you know, Tom thought his, t- his face looked tough, too, until he went in <laughs> halftime and, and saw how, how red it was. So, uh, you know, it was a lesson learned for all of us. Um, but thankfully, we came away with a victory. Um, and, and thankfully for Lawrence Tynes, he was able to, uh, to make the third one. Third time was a charm because, uh, you know, I, I told him after the game, I said, if you missed that third one, you better not come back to our sideline. <laughs> Yeah, after that, after that performance, after missing a couple of them, wow, that was that was a clutch kick. But really, the whole game to me was a clutch performance because we laugh about it now, 
but I was outside for maybe 15 or 20 minutes and breathing was tough. And you could feel, I mean, the, if there was wind, it felt like you were being hit in the face with ice. I don't know how you guys made it through that game. I don't know how it didn't just mess with your head the entire time. You know, it, it really, it, it, I never before have I ever been involved in a game where survival was actually a part of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, looking back on it now, I mean, I wouldn't have blamed the NFL if they had postponed the game, you know, because not just the players uh, for, for our safety, but, you know, for the equipment staff, for everybody else that's out there working, for the fans that were sitting out in those conditions for six hours. Um, I, I still today to, to remember to this day the, the, the gasp when we went into overtime because the last thing anybody wanted was extra time out in the elements. Um, I, I broke my helmet. Um, I had never cracked a helmet before in my life, but my helmet cracked, and I think it was because it became so brittle from the cold. Um, wow. But it really it, it was hard to function, um, and, and there were times where I said to myself, you know what, like I'm okay if we lose this game. I, we just need to get out of here. Like let's we got to get inside. This is um, you know it's dangerous. I remember Greg Gadsden, who had kind of went with us throughout that season and was on the tour. You know I was worried about him. I mean he's over in a wheelchair and and. You know, everything you touched that was metal just just seemed to reverberate through the bones. Was there anywhere you could go to get warm? I mean, I know there were heaters on the sidelines and parkas and stuff you guys were wearing, but I don't know how much that would have helped you guys. Yeah, I mean, I I layered up, um, you know, from the waist down. um, You know, I think the one thing that might have saved my hands, too, was, you know, we all wore uh, two, you know, one or two pairs of latex gloves underneath our normal gloves. Um, so really, I mean, the biggest thing was if you could keep your your, your feet somewhat warm and, and your hands, especially as an old lineman, to try to, you know, every time I touched that football to snap it, my, my right hand would get instantly cold and, and it would feel like it was frozen and the ball got harder as the game went along. But the only real solace you could find was on the sideline if you were sitting on the heating bench and they had these little holes that you could kind of stick your heels in to kind of keep your feet warm. And they would put the parka over you. But I swear, Ralph, every single time we got the football and we went out on the field, there was a TV timeout. So uh, any kind of warmth that you may have been able to gather on the sidelines, you went out and stood out in the middle of the field for three minutes. Um, and I remember after the first quarter, Eli said, hey, bring me the gl- a glove. And the equipment guy, there was, there was one guy that would come out every TV timeout, and it was like a big oven mitt, and it had a bunch of hand warmers in there. And Eli just stuck his right hand in that huge oven mitt um, you know, we were teasing him. I said, do you realize how ridiculous you look right now? And he's like, I really don't care. Um, <laughs> he's like, it was, it was purely about survival. It's amazing. That, that's why I've told people for years that as impressive as your win was in the Super Bowl, that Green Bay game to me was the real marvel because of the surroundings. Um, and obviously you were underdogs on the road like you were the entire time. But to play in those conditions and play as well as you guys did – and I mean, it's seemingly with the confidence. I mean, you you guys looked like a team right from the beginning that had no worries about the weather or the other team. You just seemed like you felt you were going to win it. I guess that's kind of the road mentality that your team had all year long. Yeah, we were a very tough team uh, mentally and physically that year. Obviously, the road mentality, the road warrior mentality, took over. Um, but I think I still think back to that first running play of the game when Brandon Jacobs ran over Charles Woodson. Um, you know, I still don't think Charles Woodson knows he played in that game. Um, I, I think, you know, he had to watch that film back and say, wow, okay, now I know what happened. Um, that really kind of set the tempo and, and just kind of let them know, hey, look, 
this cold, this cold's not going to bother us. And I think a lot of times, you know, the Packers, they have really feasted on the mindset that, hey, nobody is used to this cold but us. And, and that was a factor that helped them win some games. But I remember watching Brett Favre, and I'll be honest with you, if that game, if it's 35 degrees, I don't think we win that game. Because the cold, it affected Brett. Um, I know he was sick that week, uh, but at his age, it affected him a lot more than it did Eli. Um, and I think that, that if, it, if we didn't have those blistery conditions, I don't know that Brett has as bad of a game. I don't know that he throws that pick in overtime to Corey Webster, and I don't know that we win that game. Wow. That's interesting. Well, then, in that case, good for you guys that you got the frigid weather that, you know, made you almost lose your fingers. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you what, Ronnie Lott, you know, he lost a finger. I, I would gladly uh, lose a finger or half if it meant I got to put a ring on another one. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, it's not going to be nearly as cold in Green Bay this weekend. Uh, you know, it's, the temperature is going to be like nine degrees, which will obviously warm compared to that. Maybe a wind chill of near zero still, I guess, could have an effect. But, you know, this this Giants team going into this game, they look like they're playing with confidence. They feel like they're sensing something special. You know, I covered your 2007 team. I covered the 2011 team. I'm not so sure I see the similarities that everybody else does. When you look at this Giants team, do you see a team that's maybe building something special that could go in and do what you guys did in 2007 and win that same type of game in the same bad conditions? Well, listen, I think we've all seen it really only takes a couple of throws from Eli, you know, and pretty much, you know, if he can make two or three big-time throws in each game, you know, they have the chance to win the game because of how well the defense is playing. I think – you know, everybody, yeah, I hear the comparisons as well. Hey, this looks a lot like the 2011 team. Um, you know, they didn't really have much of a run game. Uh, they had three wide receivers they could beat you with. Um, the one thing that, that they, they don't have this year that they had that year is they had Jake Ballard. They had, they had a tight end uh, playmaking ability. You know, William Ty has tried to step in, and, you know, he's still, uh, you know, I think back to that week five game, Eli missed him on a, on a big throw. So he's got to step up. Uh, to be a factor, but when you look at this team, you know, the way that they are winning games, um, you know, it's really the defense is really showing up. The offense has put them back out on the field a number of times this year, very much like the previous year, and last year defense couldn't stop anybody. This year they're coming up with the big plays, with the big turnovers. Uh, Dominic rogers Camardi with the interception last week. Landon Collins and DRC did it in London. Um, You know, those kind of kind of games you look back on and you say, wow, you know, that really will make or break your season. So uh, I think the one thing that really jumps out at me, the difference between these teams is offensively, they're just not very physical. And I think when you get into the playoffs, everybody's physical. And now all of a sudden everybody can run the football. Um, and, and I think that's really where it's going to be interesting to watch. How does this offense, um, you know, how do they handle the run game? I think with Paul Perkins now getting some reps, I think that actually is a boost for this run game. Um, you know, and, and looking at this Green Bay game, looking week five, Bobby Rainey led the team in rushing with 22 yards. So uh, they're not going to win with those kind of stats, especially if it's cold out. Um, you know, as you mentioned, look, nine, ten degrees, it's, it's not quite minus 23, but then again, it's not the warm Miami weather either. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned that physical play, and I agree with you because you talked earlier about the Brandon Jacobs run in the Green Bay game. I keep waiting for that type of moment, either from a running back or even for the offensive line. I mean, you guys in 2007 had a great line. 
It was pretty good in 2011, especially late in the season, too. This line has been up and down, but it doesn't appear to be nearly as physical as any of those lines. And the running backs don't have that same, you know, set the tone physical nature as well. Um, How much do you think that will be a problem for this team? Well, I think there's two factors. Um, You know, number one, looking back on Eli, the games that he struggled at this year, uh, specifically in week five, it's when the tackles, you know, got pressure and when the tackles got pushed back. Well, Bobby Hart, um, you know, I'm not sure if he's going to start or Marshall Newhouse is, um, but but both he and Eric Flowers, they really got bull rushed quite a bit in the game, and that made Eli uncomfortable in the pocket. So um, I think playing in this cold weather and this time of year is actually a benefit for the offensive line because I don't think defensive linemen can get as much traction in this grass um, you know, the cleats start to get clogged up a little bit. The seven studs get a little dirty. And now all of a sudden they don't have quite the, the movement and the explosiveness off the snap. So it really diminishes a lot of the pass rush. So uh, that could be a benefit. Um, and then they're not a powerful team, but they are an explosive team. And I think if you can get Sterling Shepard out in space, if you can get Odell Beckham out in space, I think any defender will tell you uh, the hardest service to play on is – a moist, uh, a moist grass in January this time of year when all of a sudden change of direction becomes an issue and now you've got to try to chase a rabbit out on the field like Odell Beckham. I think that gets hard. So uh, big plays like that. You know, I think about Ahmad Bradshaw um, in the 2007 season, 2008 game, um, you know, making a couple guys miss on that turf, and, and a lot of it was because it's hard to get your footing. Mm-hmm. And they've got Eli Manning too, which of course is the biggest X factor, I think, I know how you feel about him. I assume you would not be surprised if playoff Eli showed up and he found a big moment and suddenly had a big game again. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is when DirecTV Eli has to come out. Um, we've seen <laughs> cable Eli this season, and I think um, you know when you look at, at the way that he throws the ball in the cold weather, uh, to me it's, it's paramount that he throws spirals. Aaron Rodgers, this weather never bothers him. Tom Brady, this weather never bothers him because they throw such tight spirals. Um, Eli has a tendency to, to throw some wobblers, and if in the cold weather, if you get some wind, now all of a sudden those balls start to float and, and start to sail on you. So, um, you know, that's where he, he knows that. Um, you know, I, know, I know it's something that he's cognizant of, uh, but I also know that he's always capable of making those clutch throws, and, and he seems to always be at his best you know, either at the end of the half or at the end of the game when it's just Eli running his two-minute offense. Um, you know, they never seem to huddle now anyways, but especially when the, the game is on the line and, and, and the clock is ticking down and there's an urgency, that's when Eli always seems to be at his best. Sean, great stuff. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And enjoy not being in the cold in Green Bay this weekend. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you too, Ralph. Uh, make sure you bring those, uh, those ankle warmers. I absolutely will. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, that was former Giants center Sean O'Hara with some great stuff on his uh, memories of his frigid trip to Green Bay and of direct TV versus cable Eli, which is an interesting comparison. Uh, So good stuff by him. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Sean O'Hara 60 and watch him, of course, on the NFL Network. Now that we've... uh, relived the 2007 game. Let's take a look at the 2016 game and what the Giants are up against in Green Bay and the Packers, uh, the red-hot Packers that they're going to face. 
And let's bring in now our next guest. That's Pete Doherty, the Packers, Packers columnist for the Green Bay Press-Gazette. Pete, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? Pretty good, Ralph. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm very glad that the weather in Green Bay will be a nice warm six degrees or so as opposed to that 2007 game that I don't think I've quite recovered from yet. Yeah, you know, even uh, t- today I woke up and it was uh, it was minus five when I took my dogs for a walk. So it was <laughs> it was pretty bad, but it's supposed to warm up a little bit. Sounds like the wind chill is going to be, you know, zero or just a little bit below. So it's it's not like it's going to be great for those guys, but it won't be just the, the devastating cold that it was in 08. Yep. And, I, you know, I don't know that the weather will be the Giants' biggest problem. I assume that their biggest problem is going to be Aaron Rodgers and what has become a dangerous passing offense. They don't make any mistakes, really. You know, I don't know if they're better than the teams that the Giants faced up there in 2007 and 2011, but the way the Giants are playing, I would think that this might be a bigger challenge for them. As good as their defense has been, the Packers are red hot right now. What, what has made them so good? So a couple things have just kind of come together over the last, you know, six or seven weeks. If you just go the win streak at six weeks, um, you know, first of all, they just they had no running game without Lacey, and uh, they finally found Ty Montgomery. They moved him from receiver to running back. He had done a little bit of that stuff in college at Stanford, and it turned out that he's not just, you know, like they used to play Cobb back there every once in a while, but it was more of a gimmick thing. Uh, this guy actually is a is a real running back, and he's also a real receiver. So he's he can he can run between the tackles. They can give it to him even in short yardage. But when they're huddling up, defenses don't know whether you know they're going to split him out wide and basically they're going to be facing four receivers and a tight end, or they're going to line him up in the backfield. So it you know makes for some hard decisions there on whether you go nickel or dime and all that personnel stuff and how you're going to play them. So that's probably been the biggest thing because that's just you know that, that's always a quarterback's best friend is a is a decent running game and and it's been a passable running game with him back there. Um, so I'd say that's probably the biggest thing. And then Jordy Nelson has they started using him more instead of as a wide wide receiver. They're they're moving him around a lot and they're using him as kind of a slot guy slash tight end about half the time. So he's working the widths of the field and he's a really good uh, route runner and his chemistry with Rodgers is off the charts. Um, so that's that's probably been you know maybe the second biggest thing. And Jared Cook, the the free agent tight end they signed in the off season, he he was hurt all summer, got hurt again in camp, got hurt again during the season, and he finally got healthy right about when the winning streak started too. And he gives them a tall, fast threat that down the middle of the field that can kind of stretch the seam. So you throw all those things together, and that's really helped Rodgers. I mean, Rodgers has just taken off. I mean, he's playing as well over the last six weeks as he's played at any time in his career. And, and that's saying a lot because he's had some really good sustained stretches in the past. You know, Jared Cook is the guy that worries me because, you know, the Giants' secondary has been the best part of their defense all season long. And I, I don't think they can stop the Packers receivers, but I think that they can match up with them well. But they've never covered a tight end well. Uh, I don't know who they would have that would be able to do a good job on Jared Cook. Um, but still, you know, the Giants' defense doesn't give up a lot of points. What have the Packers been saying this week about the defense they're going to face? You, you know, I, I agree completely. As soon as I saw that's who they were going to play last weekend you know, after the Packers won, um, I think the Giants match up really well with them. The teams that, that have a chance to beat Rodgers and to beat these guys historically have been teams that can, if you can really cover, and then it helps if you can get a, a four-man rush. 
uh, and, and get pretty good pressure. That's what those Giants teams in 8 and 11, that's why they were so good because of those dominant defensive lines, and they matched up well with the Packers. Now, I don't know if the, these Giants have, you know, their rush isn't as good, but if you can't get to them, the next thing you need to do is just keep them in the pocket and not let them make those plays outside the pocket. And you can do that with schemes. So as long as you have the cover guys that the Giants have, I mean, those three corners, I don't know, is there a group of three corners anywhere in the league better? I mean, maybe Denver. Uh, I'm not sure who else, but that's a really good threesome there. So I think it gives them a real chance if they can keep uh, Rodgers in the pocket. Um, you know, you're right. Obviously, you've seen the Giants all year, and they're keeping you know the, the scores down. So it's just a question of, you know, Manning has shown that against in certain games and against certain teams he can get hot and um, and make some plays. So does he have a day like that, or does he throw a couple interceptions? That'll probably go a long way to, to tell him the tale in this one. Yeah, I agree with you. I, you know, I don't think the Giants will be able to stop the Packers' offense. I've been saying all along they're probably going to need 25, 26 points of offense to be able to beat the Packers at least, which is something the Giants haven't done often. They've never topped 30 all year long. They do have Odell Beckham, though, and there's the danger there that if Eli Manning and Odell Beckham get going, uh, they can put up big numbers potentially. And I think they're looking at this Packers secondary and seeing an opportunity I know they've had a lot of injuries there. How bad is that uh, situation in the secondary right now? It's been a big problem all year. <clears throat> Even when guys were healthy, you know, they lost Sam Shields in the opener. He was their best corner, and the domino effect there has been huge. He was, and he's a good, he's a good corner. He's a legit number one corner. Um, the domino effect has been huge, bigger than I would have even guessed. Uh, Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins, they were their first two picks last year. They, those guys showed a lot of promise last season, but they have not taken that step this year, and they both of those guys have been hurt on and off since early in the season. Um, I don't think Rollins will play this week. He's the guy who fell on his head if you watched the game last weekend and um, had to be uh, you know, taken off in a, in a stretcher. Um, he's in the concussion protocol this week. I would have to guess he won't play. Randall had a knee injury, and he's got a couple other things too, so he may or may not play. Um, it is you know you're exactly right, and the Giants should be licking their chops. Um, this is they're gonna this is a really tough matchup with Beckham and how explosive he is. That extra gear he has once he gets the ball in his hands, and uh, so yeah, this is a game where the the Giants could put up a lot of points. It just it'll depend on if the Packers can you know get a little more pressure as Clay Matthews gets healthier and Nick Perry has a broken hand if that's healing anymore. Uh, so maybe his cast won't have to be as big. Then maybe that'll help his rushing, but. Um, you know, the Giants have to feel good about their chances of, uh, of gashing the Packers' uh, secondary because, you know, teams have been doing it pretty consistently most, uh, most of the season. Yeah, I think that's the Giants' best hope, but we will see how it goes on Sunday. Pete, I will see you up there on Sunday in the bitter cold, and uh, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my, my pleasure, Ralph, and uh, dress warm. We'll see you Sunday. That was Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press-Gazette, their, their Packer columnist. You can follow him at Pete Doherty on Twitter. Uh, does a great job up there, and he'll obviously be covering the big Giants-Packers game this weekend. And uh, it will be, in my mind, something that uh, is going to be very different than it was in 2007 and 2011. And I know everybody's hoping for the same type of miracle. This is There's been this feeling among Giants fans and not – more than a few Giants players, really, have had this feeling like this is another special team that they have the same um, whatever momentum, magic, that the 2007 and 11 team did. And now that they're going to Green Bay, there's a little sense of deja vu, I think. And I understand it. And maybe they're right. 
But you've got to remember, this is a much different team than either one of those two teams were. In 2007, as I said earlier, the Giants were completely underrated. We all blew it evaluating that team, and we were fooled for most of the season because Eli Manning was still coming into his own. He was still a struggling young quarterback, and something snapped in him late in the year, week six, week 17 uh, in, in particular, and all of a sudden he went on an incredible run through the playoffs. And it turned out once he played well, we got to see the kind of real talent that he had around him that wasn't evident as the Giants were up and down during the regular season. That team had everything, a running game, a devastating pass rush, and, of course, the quarterback who had great weapons uh, in, in Plaxico, Burris, Amani, Toomer, tremendous receivers to throw to. In 2011, his receivers were just as good. He was playing at an unbelievable elite level. Remember, he had gone into the season saying, I'm an elite quarterback, and he played like it all year long. The running game was the worst in the NFL during the regular season, but late in the season, they were running at about 115, 116 yards a game. They had the same devastating pass rush. This 2016 team is built differently. They don't have that running game yet. It's been better. They've been over 100 yards for most of the second half of the season, but it's not as strong as either one of those other teams. Eli Manning has not been nearly as good. His receivers, you know, Odell Beckham certainly can compare to anybody, but the receiver group as a whole is not the same. He doesn't have the same tight ends. And the defense, as good as it's been, is really built with a strong secondary, not a strong pass rush. Um, it's been a good pass rush, but without Jason Pierre-Paul, I don't think it has the ability to be a great pass rush. They have to really rely on a secondary that's going to be forced to cover a dangerous trio of receivers. Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, maybe Randall Cobb coming back. Um, those three guys, they'll have to cover them and possibly cover them for a long time because of Aaron Rodgers' scrambling ability. I don't see how that defense is going to shut down Aaron Rodgers. I don't see how he's not going to have three touchdown passes and have the Packers up in the high 20s. And I know that the Giants have the capability of doing that on offense. We've waited for that all season long. But after 16 games, when they haven't topped 30 once, at this point you can't count on that going forward. You can't count on an offensive explosion. This waiting for playoff Eli to suddenly emerge, it hasn't emerged yet. And in the years when it did... He had showed signs of it at the, near the end of the regular season, during this during the regular season. We have not seen that. We have seen a mistake-prone Eli. We have seen an offense that has been sputtering. So, no, if you haven't guessed by now, I am not picking the Giants to win this game. I don't see their offense keeping this game uh, as close as they need to. I can see the Packers pulling away a little bit. Not big. I would say this final score might be something like 27-20. The Giants might have a chance if they can get things together, but we've been waiting a long time for this offense to get everything together, and they haven't yet. I can't imagine they're going to do it now. I, the good news for all of you is that I've been wrong with my Giants predictions a lot over the last month. I have underestimated them. I picked them in the wrong spots too, but underestimated what they could do in December, underestimated their ability to play against some of the best teams in the NFL. So maybe they could surprise us, but... I have a feeling that this Packers team is just on too good of a roll right now, and the matchups are just too bad for the Giants. But we'll see. If I'm wrong, we'll be back next week for another playoff edition of Giants' goal line. I certainly wouldn't mind doing that. Uh, we'll try to make it as good as this one. We had a couple of terrific guests. I want to thank Pete Doherty, the Packers columnist for the Green Bay Press-Gazette. Please don't forget to 
follow him um, on Twitter at Pete Doherty. And, of course, read all his stuff in the Green Bay Press-Gazette. You can find that online. And thanks also to Sean O'Hara, a great guy and a great uh, former Giants center, uh, Super Bowl champion, obviously, and now uh, does a terrific job as an analyst on the NFL Network. You can also follow him on Twitter at Sean O'Hara 60, his old number, obviously. Um, so make sure you follow both of those guys, especially over the weekend as you're getting through this game. Make sure you follow me on Twitter as well at Arvacchiano SNY and read all of my Giants coverage and watch my Giants coverage as well on SNY TV. Read it at SNY.TV slash Giants. And uh, you can follow me at Facebook, too. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We had a great time this week. And hopefully, maybe we'll be back next week with another playoff edition of Giants Goal Line. This has been Giants Goal Line, part of the SNY.TV audio network.